Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Today we are doing a story from issue 215 of Superman, which was published on the 6th of February 1969. It's our 12th Neil Adams cover, by my reckoning. Pete's going to tell us all about it. I certainly shall. It's an orange cover, mostly an orange sky. It's very moody, very dramatic. We have the Superman logo at the top. Under that it says, Featuring a great imaginary novel, Superman's Tragic Marriage. Yes, folks, it's an imaginary story. Hmm. Mm. And we have Superman with a young girl beside him who's wearing the same sort of colours as Superman. She's got red socks on, she has a blue dress on with a yellow belt, and she has a red cape at the back. And she has brunette hair. There we are. And Superman is looking sad, looking down at a gravestone. He has his left hand on it. And on the gravestone it says, In memoriam, Lois Lane, beloved wife of Superman, devoted mother of Laney, 1938-1969. And Laney, the little girl, looks up at Superman and says, Daddy, will we ever see Mummy again? Yes, it's very loaded, because obviously Lois Lane's dead. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Lois Lane's died on the podcast before, I think, hasn't she? I don't know. It's a very, very moody sort of atmospheric cover, as you say. You know, we can see the other mm-hmm. gravestones in the background, and it's obviously the sunset because we can see the pink stain on some clouds. It's very, very effective. And as Pizzi said, it's labelled as an imaginary novel, an imaginary story. Yes. Now, in our preparation, we decided that we weren't going to do imaginary stories, despite the fact that the Crisis Companion ascribes a few Earth numbers to some of the imaginary stories to kind of suggest that they mm-hmm. took place in parallel Earths. But we we decided we weren't going to do that. You'll find out why we've decided to do this particular one, obviously, as we go on. Imaginary stories then, Peter? Yes. Shall I tell everyone about imaginary stories? You go ahead, sir. <laughs> imaginary stories, listeners, it's kind of when they do stories that would be too shattering to incorporate into the, the regular continuity, I suppose, is a good way mm-hmm. of putting it. They take quite extreme yeah. situations that, if they were to incorporate them into the normal continuity, they would be quite hard to reconcile and it would be very difficult to tell stories that they were used to telling sort of going forward. I've got a couple of sort of favourite imaginary stories. I'm trying to think the first time I sort of encountered the phrase. Can you remember the first time you encountered the phrase imaginary story? No, they always seem to have just been around from really early on in my comic reading life. Uh, no, I can't remember the very first time, no. I was thinking about this sort of as we were preparing and I had a sort of Mandela effect moment when in my head the slogan on issue 95, the cover of issue 95 of the X-Men said, not a dream, not a hoax, not an imaginary story, this issue an X-Man dies. Tellingly, Thunderbird is on the cover of issue 95 but he's not on the cover of issue 94 and he's not in the corner box. Hmm, X-Men spoilers for you there. <laughs> but I checked the comic and it doesn't say that, it just says not a hoax, not a dream. And then I remembered that it was probably something, I think it was an issue of Ambush Bug, which had a similar slogan, I think. Yeah. But I've seen that phrase used a few times, yeah. not an imaginary story, to sort of herald the fact that there's a, an adventure going to take place in a comic that's epoch-making, that's going to shatter the status quo and really change things up. Yes. Do you have any favourite imaginary stories? Yeah, I think my favourite's probably Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. 
which uh, Alan Moore in his introduction to that actually says this is an imaginary story, but then again, aren't they all? Ah, It's fantastic. Actually, I was on quite a while ago, I was on the Never Iron Anything podcast chatting with uh, Tony Esmond about that. Well, that's right. I remember. It was a great fun chat. So check that out, folks. It's still available, I believe. So yeah. Yeah. We're probably going to do that story, aren't we? Yes, I'm sure we will. Yes. In about 18 years time. Yes. Yeah, it's way, way in the future. <laughs> <laughs> my, I think my all-time favourite is Superman Red, Superman Blue. Oh, of course, yes. Uh-huh. That's a classic. I think I must have first read, and I think it's in the greatest Superman stories ever told, but you know, it was a, an indulgence mm-hmm. to on myself yeah. last summer when I had a very busy and <laughs> financially rewarding busy summer last year, so I bought myself a copy. Excellent. I can't remember which issue number. I want to say 132 or 142, something like that. It doesn't matter, but I bought myself a copy of Superman Red, Superman Blue. But it's also a, a, a world's finest story. Mm-hmm. I think it takes place over issues 178 and issue 180, with 179 being an eight-page giant. Issue World's Finest, where Superman sort of loses or gives up his powers, I can't remember. Batman and Green Arrow are on the cover of the first part. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And he becomes Supernova, which is very like the yeah. character that Booster, Booster Gold, Gold sort of became in 52. In, yeah. In 52. Yeah, Jinx. There's that one. That's my two sort of main ones that sort of stick, but... We've talked a lot about how the Superman family stories of this period are very disposable. Mm-hmm. And I think that oftentimes imaginary stories are great fun, but I think they're the most disposable yeah. of all, unless yeah. there's real imagination, like, as I say, in maybe Superman Red, Superman Blue. It is interesting that most DC imaginary stories seem to revolve around Superman. Yeah. There's not as many Batman stories, and there's not as many stories for anyone else, really, comparatively. Yeah. I mean, there was that issue of Detective Comics we did last year when Batman gets killed, etc. Uh-huh. You know, the second half of that story when Gardner Fox pops up and the whole thing with the other two Batman, that was sort of a what if, that was the closest I think we've done to, to an imaginary story so far. Yeah. If you're familiar with our podcast mission statement, you might be able to guess why we're doing the story from issue 215. Indeed. Shall we launch into it? I think we should. We've probably rabbited on quite enough. <laughs> So, our opening splash panel, it's a very, another very mournful image, very like the cover, there's another sort of sunset going on, and we see Superman and Laney standing next to a gravestone, but also we see Supergirl and a few other people. There's Jimmy Olsen, what looks like Lucy Lane, Perry White, and Lana Lang, and there's a gravestone which has a bit of text on it that says, Superman and his friends have gathered to pay tribute to a lost loved one, and whose is the name on the other side of this stone? Who else but the one person who is missing? The mother of the little girl at the side of the Men of Steel? But this is only the beginning of our imaginary story. A tale of love lost forever, yet found again. The puzzling paradox of... Lois Lane, dead, dead, yet alive. alive. I should say that Lois Lane, dead, is inscribed in the gravestone, but yet alive is given to us by some flowers which have formed themselves into the shapes of the letters. It puts me in mind of Creepshow by Stephen King for some reason, the comic adaptation of that. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure why. (laughs) Paging Dr. Freud. (laughs) Pacey, who wrote and drew this story? Well, this is a glorious Kurt Swan illustrated issue, and Otto Binder was the writer of it. So here we are. Oh, see? Awesome. Mm. So we start the story properly on the first panel of page two, which is a caption that says, In this story, which never happened, but might (laughs) happen in the future, we find Superman mourning at the funeral of his wife. One guess who she was. Of course, that's very irreverent, <laughs> given what's going on. Yes, there's a, <laughs> another very moody-looking panel. Superman standing, looking very sad, his hands clasped in front of him. The, the minister, the priest stood beside him. The silhouetted figures of all the other mourners standing behind. And in front of him, we can see Lois Lane's coffin, surrounded by a little barrier. It's obviously not been buried. It's the full service. It hasn't yet been lowered into the ground. But anyway, 
There's a little flash across the coffin that says, Lois Lane, Mrs. Superman, in memoriam. And Superman, I can totally see Christopher Reeve playing this for some reason. Yes. Superman is standing looking very downcast, as I say, and he's saying, Lois, she's gone. <gasps> Choke. Captured for panel two. Also present are Lois's old friends from the Daily Planet, Jimmy Olsen and Perry White. Yeah, we're standing behind Superman now, essentially. We can still see him. He's saying, goodbye, my darling. Goodbye. <gasps> Sob. And a close-up in the foreground of the panel, we see Jimmy Olsen and Perry White. Jimmy says, poor Superman. He sure is taking it hard. Perry White is saying, but at least he still has someone to console him. Their daughter, Lainey. Lucy Lane, Lois' sister, is taking care of her. And we see Lucy Lane, blonde, veil over the front of her hat. She's standing with little Lainey, her gloved hands on Lainey's shoulder. Lainey's crying and she says, Is, is my mommy going to heaven? Lucy replies in the next panel, saying, Yes, dear, she's being buried. Heavens, I keep forgetting, Lainey inherited her father's superpowers. Lucy said this because Lainey's flown forward above the coffin. And as she does this, she's saying, I want to say goodbye to my mommy for the last time. The next shot is behind Superman, looking down over the coffin, and he's saying, I'm sorry, Lainey dear, but mommy isn't here. It's a symbolic burial. The first panel of page three, Superman's holding Lainey close as she cries and says, Oh, daddy, daddy, where is she? <laughs> we tried to keep this from you. You might not understand how your mother died. It happened when... The following panels have a nice ripple effect because we're in flashback mode. Superman narrates, saying, A relentless enemy of mine thought he had me cornered. And this is a very interesting panel. Might put it on the socials. Mm. It's a very nice domestic scene of Superman and Lois at home. Superman's reading the paper. Lois looks as though she's knitting. And there's a gentleman leaning in through the open window. He has a red, odd-shaped hat. He's a pink face, pointy pink ears. He's wearing a loose, sort of robed outfit. Red sleeves, purple cloak type thing. He looks like he's wearing a white t-shirt as well. He has a little white beard, but if you squint, you could almost imagine he looks a bit like the MCU version of Thanos. It's quite funny. <laughs> but most significantly, he's pointing an evil-looking gun at Superman. And this chap says, Aha! At last I trailed you to your secret home, Superman. Now my blast ray will scatter your atoms to the winds. Superman looks up from his newspaper and says, Did I mention, Master? Still trying to take over Earth. Eh? The next panel, the Dimension Master has fired his gun. A burst of pink energy comes from it. Superman says, Well, your blast ray can't harm my invulnerable body, but, uh-oh, the pink blast of energy ricochets and fires towards Lois. Superman says, Great Krypton! It ricocheted off me and struck Lois. <gasps> She's fading away! And indeed, Lois appears to be glowing slightly translucent. In the next panel, it's almost as a puff of pink smoke as she disappears the last thing she says goodbye superman my darling and she's gone indeed superman says lois gone blasted into atoms and there's a weird cloud effect going on at the open window i presume this is dimension master making his exit and as he does so he says <laughs> this is even better than killing you so long superman and we're back at the funeral service now, Captain, for the final panel of page three. As the Man of Steel's sad story ends... Lainey is flying away from her father. We can see some of the other mourners in the background looking concerned. Lainey says, Oh, that terrible man! I'm going to punish the Dimension Master for killing my mommy! Stop, Lainey! Even I don't know what dimension he fled to. And watch out! You can't handle your superpowers very well yet. First panel of page four. 
Lainey's flying away from Superman, and oh, you may get some helpful CWC dialogue. And Superman says, See, you toppled that stone figure. And Lainey's bumped into a statue of a praying figure. Lainey says, Oops, I tried to go around it, but zigged when I should have zagged, Daddy. Lucy Lane has arrived in a situation by the next panel. She puts her hands on Lainey's shoulders to calm her down and says, Come with me, Lainey. Aunt Lucy will take you home and... No, Lucy, interjects Superman as he puts the figure back on its plinth. It was nice of you to take care of my daughter till the funeral, but she might be too much for you to handle with her untried superpowers. She'll live with me now, at my fortress of solitude. And he takes Lainey in hand, and they fly off as Lainey says... Oh, Daddy, you told me about it, but you never took me there before. Lucy Lane waves them off as they fly. Next panel's a close-up, and Superman's saying... Look at Superman, actually, again, by looking very Christopher Reeve. Yes. It's odd. (laughs) Wow, how prescient. (laughs) Supes is saying, Just think, Laney, you and I can play super games. We'll be real happy, even without Mommy, won't we? (gasps) Yes, Daddy, we'll have fun, even if Mommy isn't around. Just... Just loads of fun. She sobs. This is a laugh riot, isn't it, listeners? Dear God. Right. (laughs) Caption for the next panel says... Later in the Arctic. Ooh, this is good. We're back at your actual Fortress of Solitude. Yay. We're seeing it properly, I think, for the first time in quite a long time. Mm-hmm. I think the last time we saw it properly was at one of the world's finest ones that we did. Might have been. Yonks ago. You know, when Clayface and all that were, were kicking about. Yeah. Good to come back. I think that was a parallel universe one as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Interesting. Of course, Supes is having a restless night at the, the Fortress of Solitude in that action comic we did recently, but, but not to worry. So they're outside the Fortress of Solitude, and Lainey is carrying the giant key and flying towards the lock with it, and she's saying, Let me use the giant key to unlock the door, Daddy. Ooh. Supes says, You're as impetuous as your mother was, Lainey. You missed the keyhole. Better let me do it. Yes, nice little burst of concussive force as she strikes the side of the lock. So we arrive at page five. Soon inside. Yeah, we're inside the Fortress of Solitude. Superman's gesturing widely and says, I have all my trophies and mementos here, Lainey. Also, my super laboratory. We can see the equipment stretched out on a bench in front of them. That looks like a child's climbing frame in the bottom right-hand corner. Very much like the monkey <laughs> yeah. bars we used to have across from our house. Lainey's not interested, though. She's rushing off to a door that she's seen in the cave wall. And she's saying, But what's behind that closed door, Daddy? She grabs a hold of the ring, the sort of door handle, on the door. And the next panel, she gives it a pull, and she says, I'll pull it open. Oops, I goofed again, Daddy. She's pulled it right off. Good grief. Soup steps forward, saying, You have all your mother's curiosity, too. But you must never open that door, honey. Understand? And to make sure you don't, one of my super robots will guard the door day and night. Ah, this is great. They are monkey bars. Because we see Lainey swinging about, crying, Whee! Superman continues, saying, you can have fun with my super exercising bars, Lainey. Now I must return to Metropolis. He's leaving this child unsupervised in a room which has dangerous scientific equipment. Yeah, the Superman robots to look after. Yeah, but even so. <laughs> <laughs> right. Change of scene. The caption for the next panel says, Later at the Daily Planet, where Superman works in his secret identity of reporter Clark Kent. Yes, we see Clark sat looking very morose behind his desk. Perry and Jimmy are there. Perry says, the funeral's over, Clark. Everybody understands why you didn't go. Jimmy says, Yeah, you were pretty sweet on Lois yourself. Even though she was married to Superman, we know her death hit you pretty hard. Perry leans in towards Clark, cigar in mouth. Perry, that is, saying, I have a job for you, Clark. To show our sympathy for Superman, we're preparing a surprise for him. A scrapbook of headlines about his courtship of Lois. You pick out the best ones. 
Clark kind of gives a bit of a side eye in his panel as if he doesn't look as if he's really too into it. And in the first panel of page six, we see him looking at some of the headlines. The headlines that say, Superman proposes to Lois Lane. Lois Lane weds Superman. Couple leaves on Super Honeymoon. Clark's having a think and he says, Oh no, if I break down they might guess I'm Superman. I must force a smile, even though my heart is cracking in two. And then he says out loud to Perry, That's a fine idea. I'm sure Superman will appreciate it. In the months that follow, the man of might's one real happiness is returning to his fortress and his daughter. And we see Superman and Laney playing with Crypto. Laney's flying along on Crypto's back and she's saying, Daddy, Daddy, I've been having so much fun with Crypto. I guess my super dog makes a pretty good sitter, hey? Awesome. Caption for the next panel. Once the Dad of Steel arrives, the super play is not always confined to the fortress. Another fun panel here. As Laney says, This is the biggest snowman in the world. Yeah, and that's what they built. A massive, huge snowman. Crypto is flying in with a massive chunk of wood and very helpfully Superman explains what he's doing. Right, honey. These boulders will make good eyes. We can see him throwing the boulders into position in the snowman's face. And he continues, And here comes Crypto. The dead tree for the nose. Dead tree for the nose. I think they supported menswear at King Tots in 1996. Anyway, the caption for the next panel. The journey home becomes a super sleigh ride. Yes, and again, Laney's dialogue tells us what we're seeing. Whee! A thousand miles an hour! Go right through that mountain, Daddy! Soups is pummeling away as they tunnel through the side of the mountain, and he says, Why not? It's a great panel as well. Little Laney in a sort of small Santa sleigh-type effort with Crypto sat in the back seat with his cape flying out behind him. A tiny caption tells us, that things are continued on the second page following. And indeed, the caption for the first panel of page seven says, A year passes, and a sad day arrives. Now, this is a bit sick, actually. <laughs> See Superman unveiling, taking the cover off what looks like Lois Lane. He's saying to Laney, It's the anniversary of Lois's death. In her memory, I made this robot double of her, programmed to act and talk like your mother. See? And robot Lois says, Hello, Laney, dear. <laughs> you expect a glitch and her to say something like, I endorse this service or product. <laughs> <laughs> How to screw up your recently bereaved child. <laughs> <laughs> Panel 2, Robot Lois has sat down with Laney on her knee and she's reading from a book. Robot Lois says, Now I'll tell you the story of Pinocchio. Laney replies, Oh, Daddy, she's so real. You'd almost think Mommy was alive again. A slow dissolve. Later... Yes, and Robot Lois is leading Superman up a twisty flight of stairs. She's looking back at him. She's holding his hand, she says. Laney's asleep. Now let's go up to the roof and stroll in the moonlight, darling. A great idea, sweetheart. You look so lovely that I must kiss you, he concludes in the next panel. And yeah, they're sat down with a full moon looming in the background and Superman smooching his Lois Lane robot. And this is a family show, so I'm not going to make the obvious sort of comment here. Superman is thinking... How wonderful she is. I must show her how I feel about her. Clark, it's a robot. It's... There's a caption for this panel that says... Has Superman slipped a super cog? He's <laughs> treating the robot as if she were the real Lois. Another slow dissolve, then. Away to the nearby mountains streaks the caped Kryptonian, and... And we see Superman standing, and very helpfully, his inner monologue says... No ordinary person could reach these rare flowers, which grow only at the top of the steep cliff. He's standing on a narrow ledge and he's picking these pink flowers. Very interesting. Page 8's first panel is captioned. Back at the fortress. Robot Lois is standing in the snow. 
Soups flies down, carrying a bunch of flowers, the rare flowers that he picked on the steep cliff. Soups is flying down, saying, A bouquet of love for you, dearest. I'll shower you with gifts like this tomorrow and every day of your life. Oh, Superman, I hope I live to be a hundred. This is just weird, listeners. Caption for panel two says, Soon inside. Very oddly, Superman is showing Robot Lois the scrapbook of headlines that Clark prepared about Superman and Lois's courtship. Soups is saying, Look at this terrific scrapbook from the planet staff, Lois. It's all about our courtship and marriage, and and what's this? And we see a headline that says, Superman's wife slain. And it's almost as though Superman is slapping his forehead and having a moment of realisation, because he says in the next panel, What came over me? For a while I thought Lois was really alive, but she's dead. Dead. That's only a cold, lifeless robot. And it's running out of power. Oh. And we see Lainey stretched out on with her head in a pillow, having a snooze, and Robot Lois, <laughs> almost like she's winding down, and she's saying, Good night, dear. me. Caption then for panel four says, At the office, several days later. Clark's at his desk. Perry is lunging in with a cigar in his mouth. Perry says, Clark, if you see Superman, tell him he's been asked to judge the Miss Metropolis contest next week. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he'll find another girl he likes and remarry. Very pensive Clark says, I, uh, I don't think that's likely, Perry. And so, the final panel of page eight is captioned. At the beauty pageant. Soups is in the crowd with a couple of other older-looking men looking up with this bevy of bathing suit-wearing lovelies. Left to right, there's a girl in a blue bathing suit with blonde hair. There's a girl in a purple bathing suit with black hair. A redhead in a green bathing suit. A couple of brunettes in sort of reddish-brown. There's another brunette in a pale blue, there's a redhead in a white outfit, there's a blonde lady in a green bathing suit, another redhead in a sort of pale purple, and another darker red-haired, auburn-haired lady wearing an orange bathing suit. The blonde one in the green is whispering to one of the others and saying, Psst, if Superman's looking for another wife, I hope he picks me. <sighs> and Soup's down in the crowd is looking at this ravishing display and he's thinking, how could I go for any of these girls? Not one of them can hold a candle to what my sweet Lois was. And a tiny caption says... Continued in third page following. We passed an advertisement for an issue of DC Special, which is a cracker, and for the giant issue 187 of The Flash, which, oh, by the looks of it, it's got that really cool Mirror Master story where he shrinks the Flash down. Excellent, That's cool. from 105, yes. We passed the letters page for this issue and the, the ownership of management and circulation, and we're back in the story. The caption for the first panel of page 9 says... None of them? Take a closer look, Superman. Yes, obviously picking up on Superman's thoughts about how none of them compared... Soups is down in the crowd, and he's looking up, and he's seeing a dark-haired lady wearing an orange bathing suit who looks very familiar, actually. Soups is thinking, Lois! Impossible! It must be a girl who resembles her, as I'll prove with my X-ray vision. The next panel, we see that Soups is using his X-ray vision to examine this lady's left forearm. You can see there's a slight crack across the bone as he thinks, Oh! A bone in her left forearm shows a healed break, exactly like the injury Lois once suffered. This is my wife! He flies towards her. In the next panel, arms wide open, she also opens her, her arms. Soups is crying, I should have guessed the Dimension Master's so-called blast ray was really one of his dimension devices. It didn't kill you, dearest. It threw you into another dimension. Obviously. He's standing next to her, looking very smiley and happy in the next panel, and he says, I'm the happiest man alive, honey. But how did you find your way back from the other dimension? And this Lois Lukey-like, he says, 
I use the dimension ship that belongs to the Dimension Master, my real husband. And a caption at the bottom of the page very helpfully tells us what's happening when it says, In an instant, the fake Lois becomes short, fat, and blonde. <laughs> oh, goodness me. None of these Lois Lane favoured stories that we've done have aged very well, have they? No. Indeed, Lois changes her form, becoming shorter and broader, and as the transformation takes place, she says, I'm the Chameleon Queen. I can adopt any form at will. See? Now I don't even look like Lois, and now I'll change to my real shape. No! No! Why did you do this to me? says an exasperated Superman. The first panel, page 10... There's a little puff of smoke, and Dimension Master reappears, saying, I'll answer that, Superman. We wanted to torment you by letting you think your wife had returned from the dead, and then shatter your dream. The Dimension Master, cries Superman as he realises what's going on. We get a better look at Chameleon Queen. She also has that very pinky skin, an odd auburn sort of beehive hairdo, and a very Legion of Superheroes villain-looking bathing suit-style costume. <laughs> yes. Quite a lot happens in the next panel. Dimension Master starts off saying, If I can't kill you, Superman, I'll find ways to torture you mentally. Yeah! And he screams because a very odd frog-like flying machine has appeared in the sky above them all and has zapped Dimension Master and Chameleon Queen with bursts of gold energy. Superman turns around, looks up at this device and says, Great planets! A spaceship suddenly swooped down and blasted them! Who's in that craft? And a caption tells us... The answer gives the Man of Steel a super jolt. Yes, very helpfully, Superman says what he sees. Luthor and Brainiac! <gasps> My two worst enemies! And we see, indeed, Brainiac and Lex Luthor inside the little flying spaceship, taking off little mask-helmet-type things that they're wearing. Luthor says... Enemies, yes, but we respect you. And we were sickened by the vicious trick these fiends pulled. Killing Lois was bad enough without their rubbing salt in your wounds. The machine flies off in the next panel. We can see that Chameleon Queen and Dimension Master have been sort of secured on the back of it as the flying device escapes. Luther calls back to Superman saying, The Dimension Master and Chameleon Queen are wanted dead or alive for a dozen murders. We'll dump their bodies at Space Police Headquarters. Farewell, Superman. Superman, we don't see his face, says, Goodbye, and for once, thanks. Oh my goodness, they killed them. That's terrible. Well, we don't know. <laughs> That's hilarious. At first I thought they were just getting stunned. I don't know, we'll dump their bodies at the Space Police headquarters. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, okay. a slow dissolve then. Caption for panel 5 of page 10 says, Later. Superman's back at the cemetery. He's looking down at Lois's gravestone. It's covered in flowers, and he's thinking, Well now, I'm sure Lois is really dead. Not alive in another dimension, but at least I still have Laney. Meanwhile, at the fortress, little Laney's curiosity about the locked room has grown. We can see Laney, and it looks as though she's holding another version of herself, and very helpfully she's thinking. How can I get past the robot guard and see what's in that room? Oh, my daddy made a dolly that looks just like me. I have an idea. The dolly's poking out of a big toy box. You can see another little mousy bear type effort. There's a candy cane. The robot Superman is standing guard in the background. Not actually looking at Laney. There's also a little note attached to the, the doll of Laney that we can just about make out. And it says, A super robot doll for you, Laney. Love, Dad. Oh, that's nice. Laney, you're a trickster. And another caption for this panel rounds out this chapter saying, Careful, Laney. You're heading for big trouble in part two, if you get too snoopy. Is that the first mention of Charlie Brown's dog in this podcast? Maybe I'll be, maybe I'll be. I'm being facetious, listeners, I apologise. We arrive at the top of page 11. Tiny caption says, part two. 
on the left of this little heading, we see Lois's face. On the right, we see Laney. Looking into the middle, we see a very furrowed-browed Superman. And a large caption says, The, the Sorrows of, of Superman. Superman. Now, there's a lot going on in this opening panel. Laney thinks, I'll send the doll flying into Daddy's super lab. And that's exactly what she does. She sends this robot dolly flying through the open archway into Superman's laboratory, causing havoc. We can see some glass bottles and containers being knocked over and bursting into flames. The Superman robot rushes forward, saying, Laney, look out. You've blundered into inflammable chemicals. You'll set the place on fire. In the next panel, we see Laney flying towards that door that she was forbidden to enter. And she's thinking, While the robot is putting out the flames, I'll break into the locked room. I'll bet there's some kind of treasure in here. Uh-oh. Caption for the next panel says, Little Laney is too young to know what a deadly treasure she has found. Kryptonite. Her father's and her one weakness. Used for experiments to find an antidote. There's two large boxes in front of Laney. Um, one is labelled green kryptonite specimens and another one is labelled red kryptonite specimens. The green one has remained closed, but Laney... <sighs> She's opened the red one. Burst of kryptonite radiation is striking her. While all this is going on, she's thinking, I can't see inside these lead boxes with my x-ray vision. I'll take a peek in this one. Oh, I can feel my skin tingling. Yes, she lifts a lid. And the caption for the next panel says, Superman returns at that moment in time to witness a horrifying sight. Laney cries, Daddy, help! Something awful is happening to me! Laney, you're, you're turning transparent! And indeed she seems to fade out. The next panel is a little puff of pink smoke where Laney was and her fading voice says, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. Superman thinks, she disintegrated before my eyes. Just like Lois did. The combined radiations of all those red case specimens destroyed her. I've lost my wife and daughter in the same way. We arrive at the top of page 12, a caption says, Pulling himself together, Superman sets to work with his supercomputer. Yes, we see him tapping away. Well, looks like some tape spills in the background, which is pretty cool. Operating some equipment here, and he's thinking, This lead glass shield protects me. Now to analyse how the combination of red K rays oh, killed Laney. Now, the next is not quite the next panel. It's a bit like what Jerry Randonetti's been doing in the Spectre. Mm-hmm. It's almost like Superman's looking through a partition where all this had taken place. We can see the, the lead box that had the red kryptonite is open. So obviously behind a secured wall so that soups won't be hurt. There's some equipment looking into it. It's almost like a robot eye. And a screen is flashing up a message which Superman sees and thinks, Hold everything! That answer! And the message on the screen says, Red K radiation sent girl alive to parallel Earth. Ooh! Next panel. Superman is thinking, Then Lainey didn't die! Unlike Lois, she really was whisked away from Earth. Soups has opened the lid of the box containing the red kryptonite. As he's bathed in its rays, he's thinking, I'll expose myself to the Red K rays. That way, I'll be sent to the same parallel world. The next panel. Well, this is great. It's very trippy. We've not something like this for a while. No. This reminds me of the various times that the Green Lanterns have hopped back and forth. Yes. Soups. It looks like he's flying through some pale blue, twirly, twisty things. <laughs> there you go, listeners. Yep. If you can picture that, there's a good chance we'll put this panel on the socials. Oh, yes, definitely. So that you can see. And Soups is flying through this twisty blue maze and in the distance in the background we can see well it looks like mother earth as he's flying along and he's tinted orange this makes it very very effective and the way that his abs have been drawn it looks like he's got a big black e painted in his stomach very unusual Mm. anyway as he flies through the blue twisty turny things he's thinking what a weird feeling as though i'm plunging through a dozen dimensions he sights the earth i've just told you about and thinks 
That must be the parallel Earth ahead, an exact duplicate of my Earth. Same oceans, cities, people, everything, and indeed the geography does look very similar. The next panel, Superman has come across Lainey, who's fighting a large jungle cat. As he flies towards her, Superman thinks, Looks like we both landed in a South American jungle. Poor Lainey seems bewildered, but that jaguar can't hurt her. And indeed, <laughs> Lainey punches the jaguar on the nose as she says, Go away, bad kitty. I want my daddy. Ah. Uh, Soups arrives, yep. And then, final panel of page 12, Soups and Lainey are flying along, hand in hand. Lainey says, Daddy, I, I was naughty to open that locked door. I'll never do it again. And very casually, as they're flying along, Lainey has punched a snake on the nose. Lainey is not endearing herself to me at all. Cruelty to animals is not good. Soups replies, Good, Lainey. I'll take you back to the fortress. And then he thinks, There should be one in this parallel world. I won't try to explain things to Lainey, though. She wouldn't understand. We arrive at the top of page 13. After delivering his daughter to the near duplicate of his Arctic sanctuary... Yes, we see a slightly different-looking fortress in the background. The lock looks different for a start. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Soups is flying away from it, thinking, Hmm, this world's fortress is slightly different from mine, but it proves there's a Superman here. I wonder, did he lose his Lois as I did? I'll check with my supervision at this Earth's daily planet. And we see Soups using his supervision in the next panel to view indeed what is going on at the Daily Planet. And as he observes, he thinks, Lois is still working there, and she's not wearing a wedding ring. Then events are not exactly the same on both worlds. And we see what Soup sees. A very sad-looking Lois with a sad-looking Jimmy Olsen standing there, and a fairly cheerful-looking, it must be said. <laughs> Maybe he's trying to improve everyone's mood. Perry White with a cigar in his mouth saying, Stop mooning over Superman, Lois. Get cracking on that big stunt you planned. And a slow dissolve takes us to panel three in a caption that says, Like our own Lois, this gal reporter daringly makes her own news, and at the waterfront later... Lois is perched on a boat, wearing a very very fitting green scuba diving outfit, flippers and everything. We can see the, the life belt in the background. And standing to the left, kind of looks like a slightly aged Tom Selleck, wearing a blue jacket and a, and a white shirt. And he's saying to Lois... It took courage to volunteer to try out my new gill serum, Miss Lane. It'll allow you to breathe underwater for an hour, if it works. And indeed we see that Lois is sipping an orange liquid from a glass that she's holding. Interesting. Caption for the next panel. A quick dive to the depths, and... Lois is swimming along underwater. She's got a spear gun in her hand. She's not using any breathing apparatus. There's a few fish around. Great fun. Not as great fun as the next couple of panels, though. And as she swims along, Lois is thinking, It works fine. I'm breathing water like a fish. This undersea exploration will be front-page material, and my spear gun will provide plenty of protection. However, the caption for the next panel says, But while exploring a wrecked vessel at the sea bottom... Yes, we see what looks like a, a mast and a bit, of a, a bit of a guardrail. But more excitingly, well, Lois tells us what she sees. Yeek! A giant octopus, and my spear gun has no effect on its thick hide. It's a giant octopus. When was the last time we had a giant octopus in the podcast? Have we had one? I don't know. I can't remember. Maybe in one of the Sea Devil stories we talked about, perhaps? Was there one in that issue of Aquaman that we did? Was There probably was an octopus. I don't know if there was a giant one. No, I don't think so. Topo didn't feature, no. Listeners, this could be our first giant octopus on the podcast. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, Lois has fired her spear gun at the octopus... The octopus with its wide staring eyes and its little bird-like mouth, it's terrifying, quite frankly. The spear gun is fired, but the, the spear has broken off the head of the giant octopus. The caption for the first panel of page 14 says, 
But the man of might has secretly followed the gallant girl, and... Yes, Soups has flown down to the rescue, very cruelly. He has tied some of the giant octopus's legs into knots together. This is horrible. Animal cruelty. Lois is sort of drifting, and Superman thinks, Always getting in trouble, just like my Lois. This will keep Octi tied up for a while. But Lois has passed out. In the next panel, Soups has caught hold of Lois, and he's flying up towards the surface, thinking, I'll rush her to a hospital. But how nice she feels in my arms, even if she isn't the same Lois I married. A slow dissolve. Later, when Lois comes to, an emotional storm rises within the action ace. Lois wakes up. She looks very pretty in this panel, I can't lie. And she says, Oh, Superman, how can I thank you for saving me again? I'm such a pest to you. Soups is thinking, just like my Lois was. But I loved that pest. This girl looks like her, talks like her, acts like her. Maybe I'm crazy, but I'm going to ask her. And the next panel. Swift leans in towards her, saying, Lois, my darling, will you marry me? Lois sits up and says, Oh, Superman, I thought you'd never ask me. The answer is yes. And the nurse is there, with glasses and a fitty cap, tries to restrain Lois and she says, Easy, Miss Lane. You mustn't get too excited. Another slow dissolve, the caption for the final panel, page 14, says, But as Superman leaves the hospital, he meets Superman. Soups is flying into the air and he's thinking, I'll make the wedding arrangements and... <gasps> I forgot about this world, Superman! And the other Superman says, Greg Krypton, who are you? First panel of page 15. As Superman tells his story, You see the two Supermen flying along, and it looks as though they're being struck by lightning, actually, as if they're maybe flying through a, an electrical storm. Our Supes is saying, And that's how my daughter and I came to your world. But tell me, do you plan to marry Lois Lane? The other Soup says, I've never even considered marriage. I've been too busy. And they seem to be bursting through a, a wall of rock in the next panel, as our soups is saying. And I got you in a jam. You see, I lost my head and proposed to Lois without thinking that I'd have to return to my Earth. She thought I was you. The other parallel Superman says, then she expects me to marry her. Look, buddy, you'd better get me out of this. <laughs> Amazing he's not into it at all. Caption for panel three. But the next day, the wedding is performed, and... We're back at the Parallel Force of Solitude. Soups is flying Lois along in what looks very much like a Legion time bubble. Mm-hmm. A little glass sphere. Lois is perched on a seat inside. They're flying along, and Lois says... Oh, darling, you're taking me to your Fortress of Solitude. We'll be all alone in our cosy love nest. Gosh! <laughs> Simmer down, Lois. It's <laughs> a family podcast. Soups, as he's bearing her along, says... Uh, not entirely alone, honey. Inside the fortress, Superman and Lois, standing, Laney appears, running towards them, saying, Mommy, Mommy, you're alive! Soups, hands on his hips, says, You do look very much like Laney's mother. She's a... an orphan. Would you like to adopt her, Lois? Lois and Laney smile at each other. Next panel is Lois says, Adopt her? Certainly. I seem drawn to her as if she were really my daughter. And a very shifty-looking Soups in the foreground of the panel rubs his head and thinks... Lois will never know how close to the truth that is. I needn't tell her that I'm not the same Superman she fell for, but a double from another Earth. We arrive then, the first panel of page 16. But if the bridegroom is our Superman, what about the Superman of the parallel Earth? This is another startling panel showing a Superman flying through the blue twisty turny stuff with another Earth floating in the dimensional maelstrom. And this Soups is thinking... This is the dimensional pathway to the other Superman's Earth. I'll take his place there from now on. 
Nobody will know the difference. Later on this earth, the parallel Man of Steel uses his supervision to penetrate the dimensional barrier. Yes, we see the, the more familiar lock of our Fortress of Solitude in the background, and Soups is looking into the night sky using his supervision, and he can see a scene of domestic bliss showing Superman, Laney, and Lois, our Superman, the original Superman that is, sat around the table, tucking into their tea. And parallel Soups, newly arrived in our world, thinks, I'm glad I thought of changing worlds with my double. He has a wife, his daughter has a mother, and I needn't get married. Hmm, unless... I wonder if there's a Lana Lang on this earth. Caption for panel three says... And our Superman also sends his supervision between dimensions. Yes, again, this is very clever. We see our Superman standing outside the entrance to the slightly different Fortress of Solitude. He's using his supervision and he can see his Lois Lane's gravestone. And he thinks, I'll never forget my first wife, but the pain is gone now. Even I can't detect the slightest difference between the two Loises. And the caption for the final panel of this story says, And so ends this story, which may, or may not, ever happen. And we see Superman and Lois looking in some kind of observation dome at the top of the Fortress of Solitude. There's a full moon looming in the background, and parallel Lois is saying, Oh, darling, to think you're mine, the one and only Superman. And Superman is thinking, That's what she thinks. I'm just happy I found there was more than one Lois. The end. So yes, we did that one, that imaginary story, because it features parallels and duplicates and other dimensions, so that obviously falls within a remit worth doing, I think. Pete, what did you think of that then? This story is very messed up. <laughs> Isn't it? Very, very messed up. So it's, it's, ah, it's ridiculous. I don't even know where to start, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> Just go back to, you know, early on in the story when we have the scene of domestic bliss with Superman and Lois sitting there and Dimension Master appearing up at the window. Hmm. Literally, Superman's there in full costume reading the paper, you know, just casually. <laughs> and, you know, you've got this villain who's literally poking his head in, in his window. So they have an apartment <laughs> somewhere in Metropolis, presumably. Yes. Probably with a mailbox and things, you know, it's very weird. Also, what's happening with Clark Kent? Yes. You know, does Lois know that Superman's Clark Kent? It's very strange. That's not very clear, is it? Not in the slightest. I don't even think they address that at all. Yeah, can I take this for granted that the two Clarks, the two soups will swap and everything will be seamless and that, you know, they'll be able to pick up with their duplicate and, you know, left off. It's very, it's kind of glossed over, but not mm-hmm. actually what you say. I hadn't actually thought about that. I mean, the domestic situation you'd imagine probably should have shown maybe Clark and Lois, but it's that whole thing, I suppose, isn't it? In the, in the olden days, pre-crisis Clark Kent was the mask. Yeah. Superman was the guy, whereas now, you know, mm-hmm. post-crisis, at least, you know, it was very much Clark Kent was the person who he was and Superman was the, the public yes. version that exactly, he saw. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Very odd. Uh-huh. Just, I find that incredibly bizarre. Mm. When we first saw the door that Lady was not to open in the fortress, I had a flashback, funnily enough, to whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Oh, right. Because in that, there is a door, but it's actually labelled Gold Kryptonite. <laughs> When I first read this story, I thought Laney was going to eventually open up the door and be exposed to gold kryptonite, which listeners may know is a form of kryptonite that actually robs kryptonians of all their powers permanently. And Superman had some locked away. And hopefully Peter hasn't spoiled too many aspects of whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow there for when we we read it in five or six years' time. (laughs) 50 or 60 years' time. I quite like that idea, though, that, you know, don't go through there. Mm. He didn't really explain to her that it was incredibly dangerous and that she could... Yes. That's where I keep the kryptonite. That's what you should have said. Uh-huh. Why create an element of mystery in the first place? This version of Superman is very inept. Yes. He strikes me as <laughs> being 
very naive and obviously I think he's been really traumatized mm. by the death of mm -hmm. Lois because given that he almost decides to you know consummate things with the robot it's very very disturbing he's obviously in a, in a bad place I mean it's a fascinating idea that he goes to the beauty pageant and the off chance that he might pull <laughs> that cracks me up as well <laughs> well he's not happy he's not happy about going there he knows you know he's got no interest in other women and then you know yeah Lois is there gosh yeah and also Dimension Master and Chameleon Queen they are ridiculously horrible mm. unnecessarily horrible mm. it's very so cruel weird. dimension master in name is not a million miles away from that chap from that challenge of the unknown story we did last year dimension man or yeah. d-man for sure yeah can you imagine it being the same character when we write our dc comic we will reveal whether or not that is the case spoilers we will be mm-hmm they were really nasty, sort of spiteful supervillains. I mean, again, I think a bit more cruel than the, the standard that you would get in the non-imaginary story. Yep. I think that's one thing about imaginary stories is they always kind of take it to extremes, like Lex and Brainiac killing the, the other two baddies, and almost in yeah. a, almost in a way coming to Superman's emotional rescue. That was quite quite interesting. Yeah, but if they are actually killed, and it does seem to be because you know they do save up their bodies, as you said, then Superman's just witnessed two murders mm -hmm. and he just lets them go away yeah that's not on no this chap is all over the place he's not properly superman well you know grief does funny things that's that's the only explanation i think he's really really rattled and as the losing loss is really really affected and that's i think the only rational explanation i'm fascinated by the dimension swap marriage swap type thing mm -hmm. it reminds me in a way of there's an episode of star trek voyager there's a duplicate voyager and lots of bad stuff happens and the original Harry Kim mm -hmm. falls out of a hatch into the void and, and is killed and then the duplicate version of him that was created on this other ship that was created by whatever circumstances he basically goes off on the original at the end and they just carry on like normal of course I don't remember the first time I saw it being like what? They killed Harry, and um, this one reminded me of it. This the casual way that the everyone involved goes. Yeah, let's swap. Let's just. I'll. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It's a massive change mm -hmm. to my life and everything. And yeah. I mean, who's to say that there might have been differences between the two us that we don't yet know about? I mean, there could have yeah, turned true. out very nasty for each of the supermen if they went. But mm -hmm. it's, but I suppose he does see when he flies there that's that's identical. He does manage to nail that down. Hopefully, they have very detailed files in each of their fortresses of soldiers. Yes, that they can study at super speeds and be brought up to date i mean that's the trouble with any sort of imposter situation if you're you know if you're pretending to be someone mm -hmm. else you've got to anticipate every single yeah. possible question or circumstance so i mean maybe their lives were so identical because it didn't seem to be an awful lot of difference no not huge not aside huge. from the fact that parallel soups doesn't really seem that into lois compared to our soups mm -hmm. i love the octopus that was great, wasn't it? <laughs> a lot of fun there. I can't wait to post a tweet using the, the final panel of page 13, quite frankly. <laughs> I find it really awful. Again, there's so many things wrong with this story. Right. Uh, I find it really dreadful that when Superman introduces Lois to Laney, first of all, she doesn't know about her in the first place before they're married. Yes. And secondly, he says she's an orphan, implying that... Yes. She's not his daughter? Yes. So, basically, Superman, who always tells the truth, is lying there. Because mm -hmm. she's not an orphan. Mm. You know, she's lost one of her parents, but she still has him. And how is he going to explain the fact she has superpowers? Hmm. It's so casually cruel, isn't it? I mean, it's... Yeah. Do you remember when we did, I think it was Lois Lane's Super Babysitter, and we were appalled? Oh, yes. I mean, Pete didn't want to do uh -huh. that story at all. I really had to 
convince them that we <laughs> we could cover it and be tactful about some of the details. Mm. But you know, we've said this many times. I wonder what were they peddling? What were they telling their kids in those days? What were these stories? Yeah. What messages are these stories se- sending to children mm-hmm. about relationships and how to behave in them and and all that sort of stuff? It's yeah. quite it's quite horrible. You know, and the fact that basically Lois doesn't know that it's not her Superman. Mm-hmm. That shows that their entire relationship is built on a lie, and that's terrible. Yep. I hope that she never finds out, basically. <laughs> well, I, I hope she does. She's she's Lois Lane. She's, you know, she's nosy. She's an investigator. She, she'll find out. I mean, what I'm saying is I just hope she doesn't find out from the point of view of spare them all the pain, spare the Barneys. But again, uh-huh. should you ever lie to anyone, even to protect them? I don't know. Hmm. Depends on the situation. Superman shouldn't lie. That's correct. That's the rule we should have. That's correct. There's a couple of interesting things that uh, I'd like to bring up as well, mostly around the headstone, to be honest, on, on Lois Lane's grave. Yes. Uh, on the cover, it says 1938 to 1969. Obviously, 1938, the year she debuted in Action Comics number one. Right, okay. So that's a little bit of a nod there. That's interesting, yes. Also, that means that she's 31. Now, bearing in mind, Superman's supposed to be a perpetual 29. Yes. That means that Lois Lane's two years older than Superman. It's a good thing to know. Yeah, I mean, that was part of the dynamic and obviously in Superman the movie, though, wasn't it? That, mm. that Lois was a little bit older than Clark, a little bit more worldly wise. Yeah. And, you know, and I, 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 uh-huh. I, I was quite pleased to sort of see that, you know, that inference, I suppose. It's quite, it's quite interesting. Yeah. But weirdly, on page 10, when we see the headstone again, you can see it says Lois Lane Superman, which incidentally I think is her name. I think she's literally taken on the surname Superman. Oh my goodness, that's terrible. But you can just make out the date there and it says 1924. It's very faint, but it looks like 1924 to me. It looks like 1920 something. I can't really see enough of a line. It could I think be t- it's four. To me, it actually, it looks like it could be 1923 or 1928, but it certainly is 1920 something. I'll give you that, definitely. Which makes it even older. Yeah. I suppose in what you were saying there about the fact that she took the Superman name means that they can't have addressed the Clark Kent situation at all. Nope, not at all. We've answered that it's one, I think. so, so weird. <laughs> I mean, it's always the same whenever we do these parallel world stories. Obviously, when we did that Jimmy Olsen one a few weeks ago, there was plenty to talk about. And I suppose because it's an imaginary story, they're probably going to be a little bit looser and faster with what's going on. So there's probably even more to talk about. Mm-hmm. One interesting thing that I found was the use of supervision in this as well. I've never seen Superman use supervision to look through dimensional barriers before and see into other dimensions. That's something I've never seen before. Yes, that was that was interesting. And it's both of them that do it, because one looks one way, one looks the other way. Mm-hmm. I thought it might just be the parallel Earth Superman, you know, mm-hmm. has slightly different powers. Mm-hmm. I thought that's quite interesting, but then our Superman does exactly the same thing, and it's like, oh, all right, okay. <laughs> Is that an aspect because it's an imaginary story that they've given them their powers, that little boost or mm-hmm. tweak? Yeah, I suppose it probably is. No, it's. It'd be, I mean, it'd be very useful to to be able to look into other dimensions and see what your your counterparts are up to. Yep. Well, we isn't spy on them too much because that would be kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah, Lainey was quite interesting. Mm, very. I wonder if she'll pop up again in any other shapes or forms and any anything else that we'll cover. I know that is it cover of Superman Family issue two hundred has that whole sort of mm-hmm. so many years in the future sort of thing going on. Well, of course, interesting to bear that one in mind if we if we ever see her again. Mm-hmm. She's certainly as precocious as her mother. Yes, with a, a nose for for trouble and getting into bother, isn't she? Yeah, I don't like the idea of Superman just abandoning her in the fortress with just like robots and crypto to look after. Her. Yes, she's got absolutely no socialization here. Yes, it's terrible. It's not a way to raise a child in the slightest. My definitely goodness. very negligent. I think. It's as I sort of said during that point of story initially, I think it's um it's quite mm-hmm. it's quite horrible. But again, it's it just shows what the, this weird 
attitude to, to parenting and relationships that we've seen in so many of the, mm-hmm. the Silver Age Superman stories that we've done yeah. is very odd. Yeah. Poor Lainey. Mm-hmm. I hope all of this trauma that she's had to deal with at this point in her life, I hope it all kind of settles down and she manages to forget about it and move beyond and <laughs> yeah. not think about it too much as she gets older. Hopefully she won't grow up to be terribly damaged. <laughs> Do you think Lainey is going to say to her new adoptive mother, uh, oh, you've even got the same name as my mother. You know, blowing the lid off the whole thing. What? Yeah, that's a whole other bag of cats or something. That's a whole other, yeah, that's a whole other horrible thing to think about. What You know, because unless Superman's going to brief her and say, don't talk about your actual mother. <laughs> he hasn't thought it well, through. We know she responds very well to instruction. So yes, that's going to end of well. Of course. Oh dear. <laughs> I think we'd better stop there, to be honest, before we think of anything else that's too horrible. Will we see what the the readers were thinking? That's an excellent idea. So let's skip ahead to issue 219 for Metropolis Mailbag. Terrific. Yeah, it was a few letters that addressed the story from 215, all of varying degrees of insight. Mm -hmm. So, Pete's going to do the first one for us. The first one says, Dear Editor, Superman is getting better every issue. Number 215 was terrific. But I think the lead story should have been in Lois Lane. And why was Lucy Lane taking care of Superman's daughter, Lainey? Why didn't Supergirl do it? That's a fair point. And that's from Phil Cosnett, Somerset, New Jersey. That's a very good point. She was on the splash page. Yeah, she was on the splash page, but we didn't see her subsequently, yeah. Uh-huh. We can only guess, I suppose, that she was one of the silhouetted forms, um, but she doesn't appear later mm. in the story. That's that's a whole other complication to think about. Mm-hmm. Would Supergirl be able to tell that it was a different Superman? The editorial response to that one, then, is... Did it occur to you that in this imaginary tale, Supergirl might be married and have super tots of her own to ride haired on? Ed, well, that's quite terrible. (laughs) Yes. There's another short letter here, which I'll do, that says, Dear Editor, on the cover of number 215, the inscription on the tombstone says, Devoted Mother of Laney, spelt L-A-N-I-E. In the story, the little girl's name is spelt Laney, L-E-N-E-Y. Who goofed? And that's from Robert Halbardier, and he's from Pasadena in Texas. It's not that big a deal, Robert. It might be a whole other parallel version of the the events that we're seeing. Editorial response is... The guy who carved the tombstone goofed. And when you make a mistake in stone, it isn't so easy to erase it. Can I just point out Superman could have done that in a second? He probably could have, you're right. (laughs) Yep, and he probably carved it himself. Yes. Let's be honest. Well, obviously, he's suffering. He's not in the Mm. best of of moods at the moment. Let's Let's give the guy a break. Mm. The next letter says, Dear Editor, I hope I never see the story in Superman number 215 come true. Never! Having Lois killed by a blast ray was bad enough without Luther and Brainiac saying they respect Superman? I say keep this imaginary tale strictly imaginary. So there. And that's from Jack Beckman, Warren in Michigan. The editorial response to Jack is, Didn't it occur to you that the two baddies may have had another reason than respect for Superman for killing the Dimension Master and his wife? The couple was wanted dead or alive for murder, and Luther and Brainiac were taking their bodies to Space Police Headquarters. We have a hunch they were really after the reward. Yeah, I thought that was quite clear. Hmm. That's an interesting point, actually. Would Superman accept the fact that they were killed because they were wanted dead or alive? Yeah, possibly. Is he into capital punishment? Possibly. Hmm. Hmm. Um, The next letter. Dear Editor, in Lois Lane, dead, yet alive, I found a mistake. Since Laney and Superman were exposed to red kryptonite, which sent them off to the parallel Earth, and since red K effects wear off after 24 to 48 hours, they would both return to our Earth at the end of this time. The red K could only affect them once, so they could not use that method to return to the other Earth. 
so it's impossible for them to live there. And that's from Mike Mitchell, Elwood City, PA, which I think Steve told us was Pennsylvania. That's interesting. The editorial response to that is... Oh, come on. <laughs> if Superman were an ordinary snook, maybe he would be stuck in our world. But he's the mightiest man on Earth and has a super brain as well. Cracking the dimensional barrier after the Red K wore off would be a snap to him. In fact, if Laney were a little older, she could have figured out how to do it too. Editor. And there's one final letter on the issue. Yep. And it goes like this. Dear Editor... On the cover of issue 215, you have a little girl named Laney, who is Superman's daughter. Well, my six-year-old sister, April, looks exactly like Laney. Her hair is even the same length and style. Nobody can say your characters aren't realistic. And that's from Vanessa Parmalee, who apparently isn't from anywhere. There's no address given. <laughs> and the editorial response is... Very interesting. Your parents wouldn't have happened to look like Superman and Lois, would they? Ed, that's fun. Listeners, do you or any members of your family look like any of the characters from this story that we've just read? Do you look like Laney, or do you look like Lois, or do you look like Jimmy, or do you look like the nurse from the hospital, or do you look like Brainiac, or do you look like Sluthor? Well, you can write in and let us know. And you can do that at the earth 2 podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on social media because we're putting up lots of lovely bonus material on Facebook and Instagram. We're at the earth 2 podcast and on Twitter at podcast underscore earth2. So yes, also you could check out our website, theearth2podcast.com. If you're feeling generous, you can go to whatever it is you receive your podcasts and write us a very positive review. That'd be lovely. If you're feeling even more generous, if you're enjoying what we're doing, you could go to our coffee page and buy pizza the price of a beverage which will keep him awake as he labours away at the stove editing all these marvellous episodes that we're putting together for you yes that was a very interesting story yeah I feel we could have talked about it for hours <laughs> yes I'm kind of glad it's out of the way <laughs> to be honest I wasn't really <laughs> looking forward to, to this one because it's, it's about mm, there'll be a few more Superman family stories obviously before mm. too long so look forward to those indeed and on that bombshell I've been Peter and I've been David thank you for joining us we'll see you next time on the, the Earth, Earth 2, 2 Podcast. Transmatter cube activated. Return coordinate set for Earth Prime. You're as impetuous as you... Mu <laughs>